Do you desire to pray more for your spouse? Do you desire to pray more with your spouse? We understand that you may not know where to start, or maybe you feel uncomfortable praying, or maybe you don't know what to pray, or maybe you simply want to add something more to your current prayer life. This is why we wrote The Marriage Gift, 365 Prayers for Our Marriage. We desire that it would be used as a daily reminder and catalyst for you and your spouse to grow a dynamic and consistent prayer life together. This book is a compilation of 365 unique and powerful prayers that cover a range of diverse topics that every marriage deals with. You can read it alone, or ideally, you read it with your spouse. Also, we hope that the topics that are brought up in these prayers would become a starting point for deeper and more intimate conversations with your spouse and a desire to seek God on these matters together. Visit themarriagegift.com today and order your copy and give your marriage the greatest gift, powerful and meaningful prayer. Visit themarriagegift.com today. Hey, we're Aaron and Jennifer Smith with Marriage After God. Helping you cultivate an extraordinary marriage. And today we're going to answer some questions from the community about not seeing eye to eye in marriage. Welcome to the Marriage After God podcast, where we believe that marriage was meant for more than just happily ever after. I'm Jennifer, also known as Unveiled Wife. And I'm Aaron, also known as Husband Revolution. We have been married for over a decade. And so far, we have four young children. We have been doing marriage ministry online for over seven years through blogging and social media. With the desire to inspire couples to keep God at the center of their marriage, encouraging them to walk in faith every day. We believe the Christian marriage should be an extraordinary one, full of life, love, and power that can only be found by chasing after God. Together. Thank you for joining us on this journey as we chase boldly after God's will for our life together. This is Marriage After God. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Marriage After God podcast. Uh, this is going to be a Q&A episode where we polled our community and we got a bunch of questions about a specific topic, which is not seeing eye to eye. And we're going to answer those in a bit. But first, before we get into that, Jennifer, is there anything new going on in your life? Is there anything you want to chat with me about? <laughs> <laughs> I love chatting with you. Um, something that I wanted to share that's been on my heart for our listeners is just um, something that I've been doing intentionally with a girlfriend of mine, and that is discipleship. And it's going really well. Uh, we meet bi-weekly. And the reason that I wanted to bring it up is because I think so often we can go about our, our days and our times and our schedules and just focus on what is at hand and what we need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes we forget about discipleship or, or mentorship or how we impact other people's lives. And um, I just think it's really important for us to consider, you know, who's that, that older, more m- mature Christian in our life that we can glean from. So someone we can be spending time with that will fill us up, that will maybe um, speak truth into our life or see something that isn't going the way it should be and call it out in us. Or maybe we can go to them for a question. Mm-hmm. And then who's that person who is younger than you that you can reach out to and have an impact in their life? Yeah, you know, be that person the for them. God, yeah. Encouraging them. Yeah. So I just, I'm bringing it up because it's been going so well in, in my personal life that I just thought, man, if they're not thinking about this, I want them to be thinking about this. Well, and it's a, we, we've talked about this in, in past episodes, um, about the necessity of community and, and walking with each other and our ministries and other people's lives. Yeah. Just the importance of we're not autonomous creatures. Mm-hmm. We're part of a body. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and God's given us gifts that must be used to glorify him and to mutually build up the church mm-hmm. and to encourage each other and to bless each other. So, And sometimes our flesh can get in the way, you know, those insecurities where we, we go, oh, it'd be really nice to spend time with that person. But then we answer for them, right? We go, oh, they're too busy or they can't or I, I don't know. You're really good at this. Actually. I don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> answering, answering for, for people. people yeah. and you're, you've uh, drawn me out of this. But my encouragement to that person is don't don't answer for that person, but surrender it to God. To, um, you know, pray about your desire to build that relationship up and then have the courage to just ask. Mm. And if they say, I can't at this time, receive it and say, okay, and pray about maybe who else, you know, you can engage with in that way. Um, but chances are they're going to be thrilled to hear from you. Yeah. it's uh, I, I've been doing something very similar. Not necessarily, I don't have like a, a scheduled meeting with a single person mm-hmm. each uh, week or every other week, I, but I've been trying to intentionally meet regularly with the, all the men from our fellowship, mainly to, to get to know them more, to, to get into deeper relationship with them, to, um, be encouraged by them, mm-hmm. uh, but also to, yeah, disciple. And I mean, we're, we're called to make disciples. We're called to walk with each other and sharpen each other as iron sharpens iron. And mm-hmm. if we're not doing that and we're just kind of going about our day and like, yeah, we, we see them at church on Sundays and then we leave and we, we have dinners every once in a while. But if there's no intentional, like, Hey, I actually want to be in this person's life lifting them up to the father. Mm-hmm. And I want someone in my life doing this, that for me. Yeah. Like uh, we're kind of missing out on a huge part of what it means to be a, a believer. So that's a great encouragement for everyone listening. Yeah. Uh, so before we get into the, the questions, uh, we want to tell everyone about our free things that we have to offer you guys. We've made a, a bunch of resources now. They, I feel like they keep compiling. Like we're, we're making more and more because uh, we get an idea and then we're like, okay, let's make it and let's, let's give it to everyone. So, And I got to admit, I'm the one that pushes for the new ones because I... I want you guys who have already been through maybe some of the ones that we've been offering to jump into the new one, which the the newest one we just launched is the parenting prayer challenge, which, oh my gosh, I'm so excited about. Yeah, it's it's a totally free uh, email challenge. And essentially we send you an email every day for 31 days, giving you a prayer prompt for a specific area of your child's life, either your son or your daughter. And uh, and it's a reminder every day. And it doesn't matter what age your kids are, because it could be for your Mm -hmm. infant all the way up to your your adult children. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And that's, you can get that at parentingprayerchallenge.com, all one word. It's totally free. You should go sign up today if you haven't. And uh, just a quick note on the other ones, we have a free download called Date Night Conversations. Uh, It's a, it's a 52, it's a list of 52 conversation starters. Uh, you can get that at datenightconversations.com, one word. And then the last one is Marriage Prayer Challenge. It's similar to the Parenting Prayer Challenge, but it's for your marriage. For your spouse. Yeah, you, you can sign up to pray for your wife or you can sign up to pray for your husband. And we send you a prompt every day for 31 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so get those. Those are completely free. All right. So we are moving on to today's topic, which uh, we're doing a Q&A. We already pulled the community from social media. Um, we usually do this on Instagram. So if you're not already following, be sure to follow at Marriage After God. Um, you can also follow me at Unveiled Wife for some more wife encouragement and then at Husband Revolution for more husband stuff. And we'd love for you to, to be up following us on Instagram so that you can see like the behind the scenes stuff in our life. You can uh, When we do the polls, mm-hmm. uh, we'd love for you to participate in those. Yeah. Um, we look at all of those questions that you guys give us. So what we do is we pull you guys. We, we ask you to submit your questions and then uh, we use those to order these yeah. Q and A's. Um, so, sometimes the questions are not all in the same category, but if we find enough in a category, we're like, oh, that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah. And so we try and answer those. And we also always want to start with, 
we don't have all the answers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny way to start out a QA. We we don't. Uh, we we'll, we know this. We will answer the best of our abilities. We'll answer based off of things we've experienced. Mm-hmm. And uh, as always, we're going to try and to the best of our abilities point back to scripture. Yeah. We don't always do that well either, but that's our heart because we, we know that the word of God is the word of God. It's inerrant. It's perfect. And we know that everything that we order our life by should be ordered by it. Yeah. And so we try to the best of our ability to do that. So, so today's uh, kind of overarching topic is not seeing eye to eye in your marriage, which can play out in a lot of different ways. But I would also label this as disunity. So this idea of not being unified. Right. Not on the same page. Not on the You're same like, page in marriage. Which is that uh, the analogy of not seeing eye to eye that we're unbalanced, right. you know, one's higher, one's lower, mm-hmm. um, so you're not seeing uh, in the same same space. And so, yeah, the the unity is a is a huge thing for marriage, and I'm sure that many marriages don't even struggle with this, right? <laughs> like this is like a unique issue. In I'm going to correct you. I'm going to correct that. I think <laughs> we're not going to see eye to eye on this. I think every marriage encounters this. Yeah. A lot, actually. <laughs> Every human relationship <laughs> yeah. in the history of human relationships. Because we're all different heights. Like it, it started <laughs> in the Garden of Eden. You look at Adam and Eve. And <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> Eve was like, oh, it does look good to eat. And, and Adam's like, all right. Probably just shaking his head now. <laughs> <laughs> like just from the very beginning, not seeing eye to eye. Um, but that's what we're going to talk about today. There's, a, there's quite a few questions. So why don't you start off? reading some scripture. Okay. So we're going to dig into Ephesians four and uh, starting verse one, it says this, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And if for some reason you hear that verse right now and mm-hmm. you're like, you guys have shared that verse so many times on this podcast. A couple. I'm yeah. not going to apologize. <laughs> we, The more we say that verse and the more you hear it and the more we live according to it, there we will experience this, right, mm-hmm. babe? Well, and it's, it's essentially a biblical meditation. We're repeating it. We're chewing on it. We're going to say it over and over again because it's true. And we're going to see how it applies to our life and you know, what we're... Well, and I think it's a good tone to start with, just to set the mood for this conversation, because no matter where you're at in your marriage, you could be thinking like, my husband just thinks this certain way and I'm not going to get on that page with him. Yeah. Or my wife just doesn't understand, fill in the blank. Yeah. If we're eager to maintain unity with our bride. Maintenance. With our spouse. <laughs> that's going to that's gonna be the place that we start from, not a they need to change because I'm not going to change. It's a yeah. what needs to change so that we're on the same page. And and maintain is that's a um, constantly occurring. That's not a okay. We got on the it's same page consistent. and now we're we're fine yeah. for the rest of our lives. This is a consistent. Um, oh, we got to realign. Checking. Oh, we got to do it again. Yeah. Oh, let's do it again. Let's continue to be this way. Yeah. Yeah. So I couldn't help but start out. Also, um, obviously, God's word is priority and first and foremost. But I also wanted to start out sharing a little bit from uh, Marriage After God, because we've book plug written a book <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for you. <laughs> and if you haven't gotten it yet, we want to urge you to get it. But um, this is from page 56 in Marriage After God. And it all, it talks about this idea of oneness. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in Genesis, it talks about two becoming one flesh. Mm-hmm. And so we thought it'd be great to elaborate on this in Marriage After God. And so Okay, so I'm actually going to read this section. Uh, Jennifer's a little out of breath being pregnant at all. And <laughs> You're that's saving totally me. Fine, yeah. no. So it says this. It's on page 56. One flesh does not mean two independent individuals sometimes acting as one. 
Neither does it mean two individuals negotiating a workable schedule where they inhabit the same space but leave each other alone. One flesh is a picture of unity, a joining together, a growing together, where parts of each other are woven together in a way that there is no noticeable seam. Oneness is one of the greatest ways we show the world the true gospel. So what you're saying is it's powerful. Yeah. Our oneness in marriage. Did we write this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. The, the idea of oneness is it's not our idea. Mm-hmm. It's a biblical idea. We, we pulled that from the Bible directly. And it's, again, the, the reason we want to talk about this and we always go back to it is because our marriage represents something more than just our marriage. Mm-hmm. It's a symbol that God created to represent Christ and the church and the relationship between the two. Yeah. That we are no longer separate. We're no longer nomads. We actually are a part of Christ. We are one with Christ. The same way my wife and I are one. Mm-hmm. But when we walk into sanity, when we walk in brokenness of eye to eye, we're not seeing eye to eye we're, and we're um, against each other. We're actually... Or even apathy where it's like, I know we're off and I know and we're I'm, not seeing I don't care. eye to eye and I don't care. Yeah. That's so dangerous. It's not the symbol that God intends it to be. So mm-hmm. we're walking in opposition to God's way mm-hmm. when we walk that way. So... That's so good, it's good to maintain quote, yeah. that, you know, what you were talking about earlier. It's good to pr- 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 yeah. have priority in our marriage to focus on unity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so question one from the community. It says, how do I become more selfless in my marriage? I want to please my spouse. Okay. First of all, this is just an outstanding question. Um, I love that someone is even admitting that they they want this because mm-hmm. so often our flesh gets in the way, you know, our, our selfish nature gets in the way of even admitting this. Yeah. Cause we're selfish Yep, <laughs> <laughs> naturally uh, without the, the spirit yeah. working in us. Um, I, I guess I would first say this was specifically from a wife to a husband, but I said spouse because it goes both ways. Yeah. Uh, and the short answer and the practical answer is serve the other person. Yeah. Right. The, the antidote to selfishness is service, mm-hmm. you know, the antidote to wanting my feet washed is washing someone's feet. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at the, the picture of Christ and what he did for his disciples. And so I guess the, um, I, I just had a conversation with a, a brother from church. We were talking about meeting with people. And I brought up this, this idea of, um, of how, if you look at anything in life, how does anything grow? You feed it mm-hmm. like a, a tree. You water it, you nurture it, you feed it, you prune it, and it mm-hmm. grows. You, um, if I want my muscles to grow, I have to work them out. Mm -hmm. I have to use them. I have to feed them with the right nutrients and I have to, um, do the correct thing for them to work. I can't just sit back, wish they grew, grew, desire them to grow, desire these things to to happen, but do nothing. Children, right? It's like, (laughs) you want them to grow. You gotta feed them. It's like, like, oh, (laughs) but more than that, you can't (laughs) just sit back and just let them have at it in the world. You gotta, yeah. Teach them. And they, they can't be left to their own devices. They mm-hmm. have to be guided and mm-hmm. teached and disciplined and, and corrected Ta- and taught. talked to and taught. You said teached. Teached. <laughs> Whatever, <really? Yeah. laughs> okay. Um, so in the same way, to become more selfless mm-hmm. or on the flip side, less selfish, you have to practice and work out that muscle. Yeah. So um, an example in our marriage we all go through these seasons where I, I want more physical intimacy mm-hmm. and maybe Jennifer can't give it to me. Like we're pregnant right now. So this is a natural um, thing that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but times that we're not pregnant, maybe she's tired or whatever. And in my selfish flesh, I want something physical, but the selfless spiritual driven decision would be like, okay, I'm using that as a trigger. I'm recognizing I want something. I bet my wife wants something too. And so I tried and I didn't do this every time. I don't do this all the time, but it's something I tried practicing is, I'm going to go and try and 
Give me the thing that it is you want. So if it's right. a foot massage or like, well, yeah, I want something physical touch, physical, or but I'm going to go and say, Hey, can I give you a massage? And she wasn't even expecting it. Yeah. And that it wasn't to manipulate. It was purely like, I'm going to, I know I want something. And right now I'm just going, to, I know she probably can't give it or isn't interested. And it would be very selfish for me to try and make her feel bad about it or, you know, try and get something without, mm-hmm. you know, her desiring it as well. Yeah. So I go and serve her. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that was one example is like practicing that muscle of, of service, which again, I, I'm, I'm not trying to make myself sound great. So I think the word that keeps coming to my mind as you're talking, Aaron, is the word initiation. And we have to be initiators. We have to be people who are willing to start first mm-hmm. and not let our selfishness get in the way of that. And so that would be my answer to this, this question is be an initiator. Mm-hmm. Um, but even prior to that, I would say we have to be people who are who are willing to get into God's word and know it and let it transform us. And how does that happen when we recognize our selfishness and we repent of it? Mm -hmm. Right. Because without repenting of your own selfishness, when you see it flare up, you're never going to change. You're always going to be a selfish person. Which repentance literally means to change your mind about it. Mm -hmm. So thinking you deserve something and therefore you're not going to give something because Mm -hmm. if you're not getting what you deserve, why would you give what someone else doesn't deserve? Right. Yeah. Um, and two scriptures come to mind when I think about this, uh, a way of thinking about how to know when to give, like, like to be selfless. Um, I think of the, the golden rule, do unto others as you'd have them do unto your, mm-hmm. to you. And that's kind of a trigger is like anytime I'm desiring something, it's probably a safe bet that the other person in my life, my wife also is desiring something. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if I take that as a, a trigger, like, oh, I want, I'm trying, I want my, my flesh wants something or my heart wants something. I can say like, oh, if I can go give this to my wife. The thing that I want, I can give to her. The thing, but it's going to be different. You know, it may not be the exact thing I want, but yeah. like, let's say I want time to myself. It's probably possible that you want time to yourself. So I can go be like, Hey, would you want to go out tonight? Or do you need to, is there anyone you want to get together with? Or do you just need to go take a bath? Or you, yeah. like, I can think that way. And so I think of that loving your neighbor as yourself or doing unto others as you have them do unto you. It's think, it's just thinking about the things that you want yeah. and then flipping it and saying, how can I give the thing that I want to someone else? The second verse that comes to mind is in, in Luke and it's about uh, lending to people. And it says this, it's Luke 6, 34 through 36. It says, and this is Jesus talking. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend. Expect nothing in return. Your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Mm. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Mm. And, and I, this is kind of, you know, not directly talking about selfishness, but... It's this idea of like lending mm-hmm. without this expectation, like give yeah. without saying I'm, I'm giving to you only if I'm guaranteed you're going to return it to me. Mm. That's true selflessness. And that's, that's what it's saying is like God's even kind to the ungrateful and the evil. He's patient with them, mm-hmm. lets the rain fall on them as well and gives them crops. And like, that's what this, is, this idea is talking about. You know, so we should be merciful. So, uh, you know, I was going to ask you a question in conjunction to this question. And that is when people, you know, when a couple um, when they're not seeing eye to eye or there's disunity in the marriage, usually they don't want to serve each other. Right. And so there's right. that, that they're combating. And my question was going to be, how do you go? How do you do that? How do you, how do you serve each other? How do you love each other amidst that disunity? But I feel like you just answered it in that. Well, scripture. It's, it's giving. So it, it, and we always go back to this. I, I have this quote I say all the time. Uh, we can't let our obedience be contingent on our spouse's actions. Mm-hmm. Like, well, you're not, loving me the way I, do, I want to be loved or I deserve to be loved. Therefore I'm not going to respect you. 
Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't work that way. The only person we have control over is ourselves. Mm-hmm. So the only person we have to worry about who's being obedient. Now, yes, I want to worry. I, I, I'm concerned if my wife's being obedient to the Lord, but for me, the only person I can actually control in the spirit that God's given me is myself. Yeah. And so even if my spouse isn't, you know, walking the way I want them to or doing what I want them to, I can still choose to walk in righteousness. I can still choose to walk in love and be graceful and merciful and patient and kind mm-hmm. and loving, right? Mm-hmm. On my side. That's really good. So even when there is disunity, even when you're not seeing eye to eye on a specific thing in your marriage, you can still love unconditionally. Right. Exactly. Cool. Okay, so let's move on to number two. How do we live for God together? My husband never really has been to church or anything like that. So, okay, and again, this would go back to like you have a wife that's not, you know, doesn't go to church with you, isn't a believer, and you're you and the husband is a believer, or vice versa in this situ- situation. Um, so, how do you live for God together when one person isn't already living for God? Again, I go back to you can't control the other person. You can't make someone live for God that doesn't want to live for God. Basically, this is a not seeing eye to eye on a spiritual level. Yeah, on the on the greatest level, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, but you, the Bible gives instruction to the wife on how she can walk in a, in a certain way that can totally spiritually influence mm-hmm. her husband. Uh, you see that with the husband. The husband can walk a certain way that will influence his wife. Regardless, any person who is following Christ and Christ is living inside of them has an impact in this world. Yeah. <laughs> Bottom line. <laughs> and if your spouse, as the Bible says, is willing to stay with you, like even if they don't love God, if they're not walking with God and they're staying with you and you love God, think about the the thousands and thousands of hours that that person who doesn't know God is going to be around God because of you. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like you walk up to a stranger on the street and they had a split second that you got to preach the gospel to them. Like this person's living in the gospel daily. It's going to have effect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I would say there's no answer on how you can walk with God or walk together with God if the other person doesn't want to, but you can walk with God for your spouse mm-hmm. and in front of their, your spouse and toward your spouse. And I would say your greatest desire before even living to, living for God together is how can I get my spouse to live for God? And so being prayerful for their salvation oh, yeah. and pr- being prayerful that they have a growing desire to serve God. Like that's a, that's a foundational thing that needs to happen. One more note on this. So me and you, we got married and from the beginning wanted to serve God together. Yeah. Right. Essentially what this wife is desiring for her and her mm-hmm. husband, we were there, but even the, in the middle of two believers who loved God, loved each other and wanted to serve God together, we were often not on the same page spiritually. Yeah. yeah. We were often at odds with each other in how we wanted to serve God mm-hmm. in um, our own sins. So even in the midst of, of what you might be desiring of that perfect, like we are both chasing God together. You still have to walk in your own faith uprightly mm-hmm. with God for your other, for your spouse, mm-hmm. because they're going to fail you at times. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be on the same page with you. And that's something that we experienced. Yeah. So we, we were on the other spectrum of wanting to do it together, but st- still felt it chaotic sometimes. Yeah. And I would say after all these years of continually growing in our personal relationship with God, that has, that is what has brought us closer together and has driven that desire to continue to serve him mm-hmm. together. Um, and so I would say, you know, to live for God means that you know him. And so a good starting place, well, we already talked about prayer and praying for salvation, but, um, is, is 
is knowing God, getting in his word, mm-hmm. um, going through going through resources like Husband After God or Wife After God. Yeah, our, devo- our marriage devotionals. Yeah, which you can get and maybe maybe you'll start it and maybe your spouse won't. Maybe you'll be halfway through and you're, it's still sitting, you know, untouched for your spouse. Um, maybe you'll be finished with it for months and then finally they pick it up. Mm-hmm. I don't know how God orchestrates all of that. All I know of, I've, I've heard plenty of stories where a couple has the resource and they start going through it mm-hmm. and it draws their hearts closer to God. So, yeah. and that's just one resource out of so many out there. Okay. So question number three, uh, we're, we have a lot of questions, so we'll see if we can get through them all. <laughs> it says, uh, what are some tips for consistency and communication within marriage to build intimacy? i.e. you may not be in an agreement on a topic. So how do you communicate through it? Gosh, I want to say like, don't go into it super inflamed and heated. But that's like the best way. No. Like you go in like like at a hundred. No, right? but sometimes you just feel that intense about yeah. it. And so what do you do, Aaron, when you have that intense of an emotion about a topic or about something that you need to navigate with your spouse? I mean, practically being quiet, <laughs> starting with, silence. I think that scripture says, be slow to speak and quick to listen yeah. and quick to hear. Because mm-hmm. often, to, to be honest, most of the communication issues in marriage is is misunderstanding. Yeah. Because, you know, you as an emotional creature, like God's made you more emotional, you're going to say something with emotional words. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to interpret that, you know, a hundred different ways. And none of the ways I interpret it are how you feel. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, you know, men being... Uh, you know, logical creatures. And this doesn't mean women are illogical. It's just hearing something and it's not what you meant and it's not what you're saying, but I'm hearing it a certain way and I'm putting it through my own filters and, and that's, that's what happens. So being slower to just, you know, jump at the person and be like, Oh, you said this and, and that hurt me. And, but actually hearing and listening and being slower to, to saying stuff because Mm -hmm. once the words leave our lips, they're gone. <laughs> yeah. They're well, they're, yeah, but we're also held accountable to them, right? Yeah. I think something that I've learned in our own marriage, Aaron, is um, the way that I can have self-control in coming to you with my emotions and still be respectful, but still communicate them mm-hmm. to you and let you know like, hey, when this happened, I you know, felt this way. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not yelling at you. I'm not out of control. I'm not making you feel little. I'm just explaining this is what happened and this is how it made me feel. And I think it's important for couples, like you said, to be slow to, to, to speak and quick to listen so that we hear each other. Yeah. I think hearing each other is so important. Yeah. And, and then, um, we, and we always bring this up is, is what is your intention? Is your, is your intention to, to win? Is it, to, is it to defeat your spouse? Well, the goal should be unity, right? Right. But we have to, but that has to be a conscious decision. Like, yeah. am I about like, am I mad right now and I want to destroy you or do I actually want there to be peace and not just apathy? Like I just don't want to deal with it. So mm-hmm. let's not talk about it anymore. But, uh, are we like, am I fighting for something and it's chaotic or am I, is this something that I even need to be fighting about? Yeah. Is this, is this even matter mm-hmm. what, what I'm frustrated about or what we're miscommunicating about, but recognizing that the whole purpose at the end of it is that we're unified. Yeah. We're reconciled. We are one again. Yeah. We're in intimacy, you know? Well, an intimacy means to be known, it's not mm-hmm. just a physical intimacy, although that's how you're known physically. It means to be known. Um, it, it means to be known. And, and the way that we make ourselves known is we are vulnerable. We are transparent. Mm-hmm. We are real. And so we're not hiding anything. We're not keeping things from each other, but we're also not disrespectfully just throwing it all out there. There's this self-control that comes with it. 
we're in a safe place where we know we can communicate back and forth. And that's what builds intimacy in mm-hmm. marriage. That's what makes me feel known. That's what makes you feel known. Yeah. So knowing your end result, which is, it should be humbleness because God wants his people to be humble yeah. and it should be reconciliation. Yeah. So there's, there's, that deals with 99% of our arguments from mm-hmm. day to day. It's very rare that we're having arguments over real big things. It's always the little things. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is you get to those little things when the big things do come up, you're going to be infinitely better at dealing with that yeah. with your spouse because you know that you're on the same team. A, a good little side note tip would be to start out and use sentences with I instead of you. So you're not pointing right. the finger here. You're actually opening your hands and saying, I want you to know who I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. That was a good tip. So here's a good one. Uh, everyone's going to have some level of <laughs> What's issue. the first thing that pops into your mind when we say this question? <laughs> yeah. Uh, how do you work through disagreements on hobbies? Right. And the the example that was given is motorcycles and it's probably a very personal one to that person. Yeah. But women have, this actually could be a, a wife's hobby, <laughs> um, but could like be. any, any hobby at all. Hobby is essentially the extracurricular. It's the, it's, I have this passion outside of my yeah. home or outside of, um, you know, my work or. Which I, I know you'll generally answer, but I just have to say, when I saw this question come through, I think there would be a disagreement on something like the example they gave motorcycles, motorcycles right. because it's dangerous. Right. And so we also have to address that aspect of mm. maybe what this question means, but why don't you, well, why don't you I, kick I, it off? I would on the, on the hobbies side of things, regardless of what the hobby is, because there's so many different levels of, of, um, um, uh, ability. <laughs> like you, you th- there could be a, a wife that is uh, into skydiving with their husband. And like most people would be like, no way, but they're like, no, this is totally fun. <laughs> um, so I'm not going to just pick on any specific hobby cause it doesn't matter. Um, for the most part, um, I'm sure there's hobbies that are absolutely like, well, that's sin. You shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> and then there's safer ones like quilting. I yeah. Mean- <laughs> and then there could be like, to- yeah, totally, um, you know, benign ones that yeah. like mean nothing. And it's like, well, what's the big deal? This is not a sin that I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. The questions should always be wrapped up in, in wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, are, can you afford it? If your wife or your husband's not in agreement with it, that should be immediately a red flag mm-hmm. because you're on unity. And it's not just a, that person needs to change how they think about my hobby because what if God's put up insight or a discernment in your spouse? Because remember, you guys are on the same team, yeah. regardless if you feel like you're in a team or not. And your spouse has a reason for having an issue with it. Now, that spouse, as you guys communicate about the hobby, humbly, mm-hmm. it could you you could find out that the spouse just has, um, like your wife, um, has some sort of disposition from a childhood about the thing you're doing. So it has nothing to do with anything else other than they just feel uncomfortable. But if that's the case, is it worth it to listen and hear? Absolutely. Yeah. But what I'm saying is they could, through the conversation, be like, you know what? I am being irrational mm. and it's not that big of a deal. The point or, is that they're talking about it. <laughs> yeah. Or it comes to this side of like, well, I just can't get behind it. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, are you going to say, well, you know, get, then get out of here because I'm going to keep doing it. And then essentially you're choosing a hobby over your spouse. Well, on the, on the flip side to this, the spouse that's in disagreement with that spouse's hobby, is it what's your heart posture and reasoning? Because are you just against it because you don't like them spending time alone from you? Are you just against it because you don't like what they like? Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I feel like the biggest part of this question, and it's for both spouses in the marriage, is what are the motivations of your heart? On both sides. And are you communicating that to each other? Right. And usually, if you're defensive about something if you're trying to defend and protect your hobby, that usually is rooted in something and you got to immediately start asking yourself, why am I 
trying to protect this so much? Mm -hmm. Why does this thing mean so much to me? Because you could be using that hobby as a surrogate for your marriage. Like I get more fulfillment out of this thing than I do out of my marriage Mm -hmm. or my kids. Mm -hmm. Like an escape or something. Yeah. Yeah. And if that's the case, that's dangerous. And that's called an idol. (laughs) You should be careful with that. So I think there, there should be nothing in our life, not a single hobby should have any sort of weight against our family, against our ministry, against our marriage, against our, our responsibilities at our work or with our kids. None of that, like the, anything, any, it doesn't matter what the hobby is. It shouldn't be off the table for negotiation. Mm-hmm. It should be something that you should humbly be willing to release if, if necessary. Mm-hmm. And the necessity could be your wife or your husband just is like, I don't like it. To be honest, like that, that even if they're irrational, they're one with you. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to just say, I disagree with you. You're irrational. I'm going to keep doing it. You've just literally, you, how are you ever going to be intimate? Like mm-hmm. on any level with a person that you said, I don't care what you say. I'm doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. You just can't. So I would just put a warning in anyone's life. And this goes for the, the husbands and the wives. If there's anything in their life, they're, you know, a book club, uh, you know, a quilting club, uh, <laughs> you know, a, a hobby of like, you name it. Everyone that's listening is probably thinking like, Oh, I have this hobby. I know what my thing is. Yeah. And my, my job right now is not to say hobbies are bad because you could totally have a healthy hobby. Maybe it's something that you do with your family. Maybe it's something that you do by yourself and you have total control over it and it doesn't get in the way of your responsibilities and your family totally feels taken care of and loved and that you're present. And And they actually enjoy participating in it with you. Yeah. There's lots of things, but at the same time, if you have any sort of level of like, I'm not letting this thing go and no one's going to stop me. Like that, that's a wrong heart and whatever that thing is you're into Mm -hmm. has got some sort of hold of you that you need to deal with. Yeah. So I want to share two things. One of them just kind of like popped into my heart and I can't, I can't push it away for some reason. And that is if you, the individual have some sort of hobby and you've been feeling convicted in your own heart because of timing, finances, uh, lack of, yeah, whatever the thing is. Please, 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 please don't push that feeling off and just wait for your spouse to come and share their disagreement with you about it. Be a mature Christian person, yield to the Holy Spirit and say, God, what are you trying to tell me and how can I surrender this to you? If that means give it up at 100%, are you willing to do that? Mm -hmm. I just felt like I had to say that. The other thing is more personal, but I just wanted to share some, uh, an encouragement. Uh, I didn't want it to all sound negative, but Aaron, you have been so good at first learning who I am I don't want to say studying me, but like over time together, like you know me pretty well and you know the things that uh, fuel me as a person, like writing and painting and crafting and you encourage me in it. Now, there have been times in our in our marriage where we've been so strapped. It's like you can't spend that money on that, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. that thing is. But there's also been um, often there's been times where you know that I've been going, going, going and you look at me and you go, I think you just need to go to a coffee shop and write. You, you just need to go do this thing with your girlfriends. You just need to, and you're a supporter and a, um, an advocate for giving me space and time to be fueled by the things that interest me. And I just had to say that because I think that as a husband and wife, we have an incredible position and opportunity to support one another in the things that do feel us, the things that the hobbies that we're interested in. Mm-hmm. And um, you've been really good at that. And so I just want to say thank you, but also use it as a testimony t- for those listening that they can be that way in marriage. It just requires communication. 
Yeah. That was good. Thank you. I wasn't expecting that. (laughs) Okay. Why don't you read question number five? How do you keep chasing dreams God's called you to when your spouse is in a totally negative place? So I'm imagining this is like a season, not just a day, but not like always Mm -hmm. like this, but they're just in a negative place. And how, how are you supposed to keep moving forward with those dreams that you maybe were chasing together or were hoping to chase together? Uh, this, I mean, it, it, it sounds more personal. It sounds like this person, whoever it is, uh, feels like God's called them to something specific. Oh, you like individually. Yeah. And mm-hmm. their spouse is in another place, Okay, uh, either emotionally or mentally, or maybe they hate their job and you, and they're, you know, the other spouses trying to like pursue a ministry of some sort or, okay. um, uh, the question itself tells me that the, the initial, the, the way the question's worded tells me that they're missing out on the first calling. The marriage? <laughs> the marriage. Yeah. Um, that's what I was the, you have a, we have a responsibility to, we're, we're told to love our neighbor mm-hmm. as ourself. And I always say like, who's your closest neighbor? Yeah. It's your spouse. And then your kids and then your actual neighbors and then your fellowship. And it's not like you, you neglect the others for the first, but you don't, don't go out of order. I don't right. neglect my wife when she needs me the most to go serve someone else. Mm-hmm. That's out of order. Well, and, and here's what I think about that is if let's say it is individual and one of the spouses is, is pursuing ministry or whatever God, they feel God has called them to, um, or maybe it's, they they had a specific calling as a couple and that person's in a negative place now and they're not doing that anymore. How effective would either one of them be in any of those situations if they're not unified in their marriage? Not very effective at all. Well, and here's this actually, this, the sad part is they actually could be effective, but they're not effective where it counts. Mm-hmm. You know, we have children at home, we have our marriage to, to, to take care of. And it's not just to have a happy marriage. It's that we have a powerful marriage. Yeah. And that we, like, if I can't minister, we say this in our book, Marriage After God, uh, quite a bit, actually. If I can't minister to my spouse, like, what right do I have to go and minister to someone else? Yeah. I don't want to minister to you. You're in a negative place, but I'm going to go try and minister to other people that are in a negative mm-hmm. place. Like, that, that there's something backwards with that. And I, I also understand that you could be, have already in this mode and you see God moving and God's using you. And then your spouse, your husband, your wife is going through something and you're like, well, do I have to put everything on hold because this thing's happening? Yes. Well, is it totally <laughs> possible that God brought them to that place and then is asking them to postpone it or wait until Absolutely. something else happens? Like that could be part of it, right? Just as an encouragement. Like, yeah, I'll get, I, I, I don't have the specific scripture on this, but Jesus, when Jesus talked to the Pharisees, you know, we all have a negative connotation of the Pharisees, right? Mm-hmm. But the Pharisees were God's people and they were the, they were the, the priestly line. They were the ones that were to teach the law to everyone, right? But Jesus, the problem Jesus had with the, pre, with the Pharisees was not just that they were Pharisees. The reason they get a bad rap is because of how they acted. Mm-hmm. They acted holy and they did the thing that they believed God was calling them to do without doing the things that they should have been doing. The very specific things that he Yeah, he gives this to. example and he says, you take advantage of your parents you say, the things that I would give to you, I give to God instead. Mm. And that's exactly the, the, that's what this question sounds like to me. God's calling me this thing over here, but my spouse is holding me back. And I feel like Jesus would say the exact same thing to that person. Like, okay, you want to do what God, what I want you to do, but you're neglecting the thing I've already told you to do. 
I've told you to honor your husband or submit to your husband, or mm-hmm. I've told you to love your wife as Christ loves the church. And yet you don't want to do that thing because they're holding you back from my call on your life. My call on your life is that also. And so in another place, Jesus tells the Pharisees, he says, you tithe your mint and your cumin, and yet you, you uh, neglect the way to your th- things of the law. Mm-hmm. He says, you should, the, the way to your things are justice and love and mercy. And he says, and you don't do those things when you should have done those things and the other ones. Mm-hmm. So I just go back to this idea of if there's something going on, if you like, let's say you have a spouse that gets injured. And you no longer can go do the things that you usually do and the ministry that you had. And now you have to focus on your spouse. Does that change that you're doing ministry? No, Mm-mm. no. You just have changed your energies to a place that the energies need to be right now. Mm-hmm. Um, if your spouse is in an emotional place, broken, they lost a family member, they're, they're depressed, they're, they're going through things. Do you just leave them behind because they're getting in the way of the true ministry? No. If it, if it says that this good shepherd was willing to leave the 99 for the one, the one is your spouse. Mm-hmm. You don't, you, you, you leave the 99 that are, that God can take care of mm-hmm. because it's God and it's his sheep and it's his ministry. And you can minister to the one that God's given you and minister and, and wash and take care of. And, and that should never be neglected. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I, we can't do that. We, I can't, I can't, um, tell someone like, yeah, well, first of all, we, we like to use words like God told me to, and God's shown me and God's given me. And, and like, as if that's like a trump card, you can't tell me I'm not supposed to do this thing because God called me to it. But you know what I can tell you? I know what the word of God says. And if you're not doing the things that the word of God says, it doesn't matter what you believe mm-hmm. you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not trying to be harsh, but I am trying to be harsh because many, many families have fallen apart because of this very thing. No, I'm doing what God wants me to do. And you, you need to be left behind. They forsake what he said in his word. Yeah. And I, another quote in the book, it's, I said, um, in what book? In Marriage After God. Yeah. <laughs> I said, uh, don't sacrifice your marriage on the altar of quote unquote ministry. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm doing ministry over here. So my wife has to deal with it. Uh, she's not going to ever see me. She, she has no idea if I love her. She, she, she gets the, the, you know, the last bits of my, of my energies mm. rather than getting the best of my energies and being the thing that energizes me to do more ministry. Mm-hmm. Like it's so much more fruitful to do it the other way than leave them behind. And I just, I think that's my answer. <laughs> I think you covered it really well. So, so well that I think we should move on to number six. Do you want to read that one? Yeah. It's about me. <laughs> do you, Jennifer, struggle with trusting me? Do I struggle with trusting you? Yeah. Specifically speaking about porn, um, how can you battle thoughts like the- Okay, so I I just have to say I feel like we need to record a whole nother episode on this topic altogether because We've already done one, but you're right, we should probably do another one. Well, I've received really lately a lot of wives um messaging me about this very topic about trust and rebuilding trust after finding out that your spouse is, you know, spin, sinned against you, um sinned uh especially with pornography. And so that just needs to happen, but it's not going to happen this season. So I'm just going to have to plant that seed and say, stay tuned. Um, but just to answer, you know, this question up front for you guys, I don't struggle to trust you anymore. Why? I think it's because we've worked so hard on building that trust back up and it absolutely takes time mm-hmm. because in the beginning there were times that I did struggle with doubt and fear, especially times that I know you were left alone while I was out running an errand or something like that. Mm -hmm. And you know what it required is humility and communication because I had to be willing to say, Hey, I'm thinking about you right now. And I just, I don't want you to 
fall into temptation, just, mm-hmm. just be strong. I'll be back at this time. Um, or when I got back, I would ask you, Hey, how have you been? Um, and the more times that we, uh, had encounters where you continue to stay pure, it built that trust up in my heart. And then specifically along the, that journey, um, what did I do anytime I did choose to dip back into pornography? You told me and you repented and you, you shared with me your own frustrations over the struggle of sin that you had, but you owned it and you were real with me. And, and no matter how little the offense was, no. And I knew that you struggled with shame and guilt and I knew it was hard for you to tell me. Um, and you learned how to give me a place to respond, you know, when I was emotional over it, because it makes, I mean, just Without trying to control your response. Yeah. Cause yeah. it just, it made me broken knowing that, you know, those things took place and I felt a lot of things and I thought a lot of thoughts, but I, I would say that the humility of you coming to me or me coming to you, um, and, and the, the reconciliation process was so important. And when and it, I say reconciliation, I mean, we talked about it. Mm-hmm. it. Even if it took two and a half hours, we talked about it. We prayed mm-hmm. for each other. And we we tried to affirm each other that we were going to move forward. Right. And the some of the just the practical things is, first of all, it does take time. Yeah. And you should never expect your spouse to just flip a switch and be like, well, I'm going to trust you again, because that's actually not even biblical. Mm-hmm. Like there, it does take time to build trust. Now forgiveness immediately is biblical, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean immediately like, Oh, we're back to where we were. No, yeah, there's no. been mis- there's been broken trust and it takes time. Yeah. It takes, it takes repetitive purity. Right. And then the other practical is I made a, I made a commitment to tell you, to let you know. And, and, and here's the thing is the offenses, although they changed in, in size, relatively like the thing I did. Mm-hmm. Right. I still confessed it to you and you were able to see the true repentance in me. And so it's not like it was the same each time it was less and less and less. Yeah. Um, but my, my continuing to come to you and say, I, Hey, I made this choice. Yeah. I was a split second, but I chose it and I feel shameful about it. And I want to repent to you because I, this is not who I am and it's not who I want to be. Yeah. And so I need to tell you cause I've learned through the word of God and through experience that the confession and repentance is one of the ways that God's given us to kill our flesh. My flesh hates it. It wants to hide in the darkness and keep its, you know, it it wants, my flesh wants to not be known Mm -hmm. because it feels icky and I don't want to be seen for what I truly am. Yeah. So the, the being consistent in telling you the truth and not just waiting until you found out or like, but actually like, coming forth and saying, mm-hmm. Hey, I made a bad choice Yeah, and calling it what it is a choice, mm-hmm. not minimizing it, not justifying it. Those kinds of things helped you trust that I was actually changing yeah, and that I love you and that I don't want to be that person. Mm-hmm. And that I'm willing to tell you because I want you to know for my sake mm-hmm. so that I can heal and change and repent and be repented of, mm-hmm. of that sin. And yeah. Um, I appreciate you sharing all that. And, uh, the second part of this question is how can you battle those thoughts? And, and I just am thinking back to all of those thoughts that I used to struggle with because the sin that you chose to partake in were like seeds planted in my mind and heart for the, 
the temptation to feel insecure or unloved and, um, you know, fall into those traps where your mind is just going wildly crazy with the worst kinds of thoughts about you and of our relationship. And, um, and I would say that being vulnerable with those and still being willing to be in an intimate place with you where I can say, because you did this, I feel this way, or I'm thinking these things and revealing those types of thoughts to you, help me battle them because I gave you the opportunity to affirm me and say, Mm -hmm. no, 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 no. I know I chose that. I'm so sorry, but that that's not who you are. Like you, you don't have to be insecure because of what I did. And and there was this back and forth of understanding each other that I think was really valuable. Right. Uh, And I would, again, another thing that for the, for the spouse that has dealt with this and is dealing with it, um, the mistrust is a natural consequence to our sin. Yeah. Right. And so we have to recognize that. Mm -hmm. And so another thing that builds trust from the offenders side is because what happens is, you know, we, we've, I've confessed, we've dealt with that, that, that event. And then you are leaving somewhere and it's a, it's a a time when, you know, I would usually in the past. You mean I flared up with anxiety inside my whole being? Yeah. No, if you say something like, Hey, I want to encourage you to stay pure while I'm gone. Mm -hmm. The not truly repentant person would say, Baby, but we already dealt with that. You don't, you don't need to bring that up. Oh, getting like, defensive. Like, don't, like, come on. Like, you don't trust me? Like, no, I should, I should be totally humble and willing to be like, you're right. Thank you for reminding me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, and be praying for me. I'm going to let you know if I feel tempted and I'm going to call you. And I'm going to, instead of being defensive and prideful, I'm going to be humble and, re- and realize that it's totally natural for my wife to f- ha- not trust me. Mm-hmm. And she's going to learn trust by how I receive her care for me in that moment. Mm-hmm. You reminding me like, Hey, don't, don't go do that thing. Yeah. Me receiving that is a trustworthy action. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, another way that I, I battled thoughts of mistrust was I asked a lot of questions. So if I ever felt uneasy about a situation or discerning, you know, maybe I woke up from a dream or something where it was like, I couldn't shake it. I asked, or you just feel it like, Hey, something's off. Yeah. I asked you, I asked, have you been struggling? Um, and so I think that when we, when we recognize that we're battling thoughts, you can't just keep battling them. You can't just keep like, you're just going to be wrestling the whole time. Right. And so being be able to open them, open up and share with your spouse, the types of thoughts that you're having, and also go to God and say, God, these are the types of thoughts that I'm having and finding scriptures that would help fight those thoughts for you. And, um, well, and also be praying and asking God to transform your own heart, yeah. asking God to transform your spouse's heart. To pur- purify your marriage. Yeah, to, to use you both for his for His work and for his kingdom. Yeah. See, I told you that this was going to be um, <laughs> a big topic. I, yeah, I feel there's, like a lot, just, there's a lot more, yeah. We need, we need to be able to do another episode on that. Yeah. All right, so the last question, it's kind of a bigger blanket one. It'd be, what is your number one advice to couples who are currently struggling with this eye to eye thing. They're not on the same page. They feel at odds with each other. Well, I will say this. One of the most powerful, impactful, um, incredible ways that God got a hold of our hearts, Aaron, and made change and transformation in our lives and our marriage was entering into mature Christian biblical community mm-hmm. and being transparent with people who we allowed to speak into our lives and say, you're off I, base, bro. Well, sometimes we didn't even <laughs> see that we were 
off on yeah. the whole eye to eye thing and we got called out for it. <laughs> and so like bickering or whatever uh-huh. the thing was. And I just remember how, and even still to this day, it's been such a huge part of our testimony as being in biblical community and how being a part of the body. And, and I don't mean like a once a one, one day a week, type thing. I mean, like like immersed in it where, you know, you can text that person, call that person, meet them on a fly for dinner to gain wisdom, to ask advice, to cry about, to praise for, you know, like all the things. Mm -hmm. So the the bit of advice I would give that goes in align with being a community and it kind of, it's, I talked about it quite a bit in this episode, um, is humbleness. And in Luke 14, 11, it says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And all through Proverbs, it talks about this idea of like, you know, the humble will be lifted up and the, the, the haughty are, you know, God's opposed. Mm-hmm. To receive anything from community, you have to be humbled and willing to hear. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I think you are being a bonehead, Aaron. Like, oh, <laughs> you're right. I agree. I, I, I'm, I didn't realize that. I, should, I need to change in that area. I need to go apologize to my wife. So that humbleness, like, and even outside of community in your marriage, if you're in a difficult place, there's something miraculously spiritually powerful about humbleness. Mm -hmm. All of these fights we get in all of the eye to eye issues, it's all because they're not seeing our eyes. They're not on our page, which is pridefulness. Mm. When we could be like, maybe I need to be on their page. Or humility (laughs) would point your spouse's eyes up to God and say, no, look at him. Right. Don't look at me in this. Look at him. Yeah. And or then we'll or recognizing you're wrong or maybe don't know or don't have the answer or need to sit back and say, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to let you have this one because mm. I mean, I, I know I've been wrong in the past anyways, or like, it's not a false humility. It's like true humbleness, recognizing where, who, who you serve. It's you serve God. Yeah. And so in community, which was the number one thing that we believe totally transformed our life, but it also took us in community being willing to listen and hear mm-hmm. and receive, yeah, which takes humbleness mm-hmm. and time <laughs> and time, yeah. So that would be my my bit of advice is like, man, humbleness is gonna is gonna go infinitely farther than any level of selfishness, selfishness or pride. So the next time it could be today, tomorrow, next week. It's gonna be right after this episode. <laughs> if you are finding yourself in a place where you're not seeing eye to eye with your spouse, remember humility. Absolutely. Remember to pray. Remember to go to God and say, God, what is it that you want? Because I don't want to get in the way mm-hmm. of what you're doing. Yeah. How can my response and actions and attitude right now glorify you? Mm-hmm. And that, that changes everything because you're like, oh, yeah. yelling and throwing a dish at the wall is not going to glorify God right now. Or, right. Um, you know, telling the other my spouse that they, they don't know anything or mm-hmm. that they're wrong or like that those might not glorify God. Well, that wraps us up for uh, this episode of uh, having answered your guys's questions. Thank you again so much for uh being there and submitting those questions when we called out for them. Yeah, and again, it. if you want to participate in a Q&A episode, all you need to do is follow at marriage after god on Instagram and wait for the next uh time we poll for him and then you can submit your question mm-hmm. and we we try and get through as many as we can with the time that we have. Um, and if we, if we ever do an episode where you're like, I know my question would have fit in there and maybe we didn't get to it, just message us and let us know. Mm -hmm. Um, but we, we just love hearing from you guys and we love participating in this way, um, where we get to kind of answer your questions or at least try. (laughs) So as usual, we end every episode with prayer. So Jennifer, why don't you 
Pray for us. Dear God, thank you so much for marriage. Thank you for uh, our spouses, and thank you for the opportunity that we get every day to walk this life with each other. We pray for humility to be uh, a priority in our lives, that we would walk humbly before each other, that we would be motivated by um, how you're moving in our lives individually and in our marriages. God, we thank you for our marriages and we just pray for unity. We pray that even in times where we don't see eye to eye or we have disagreements or there's conflict, that you would remain at the center of our marriage and that we can submit our hearts to you. God, we pray that we would be one with each other, that we would pursue oneness in our marriage and support each other in that way. And God, we pray that these situations that come up in marriage where we don't see eye to eye would be an opportunity where we can learn from each other, where we can grow to understand each other, where we can experience intimacy. No matter what, we pray that your will would be done and that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So thanks for joining us on this week's episode. Uh, We love you all. Uh, We thank you for being a part of the Marriage After God community. And uh, we just want to invite you, if you have not yet, would you leave us a review? We love your reviews. They help the podcast get reach and new people find it because of your reviews. So if you want to leave us a star rating um, and a text review, we'd love that. Uh, See you next week. Did you enjoy today's show? If you did, it would mean the world to us if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Also, if you're interested, you can find many more encouraging stories and resources at marriageaftergod.com and let us help you cultivate an extraordinary marriage. Do you desire to pray more for your spouse? Do you desire to pray more with your spouse? We understand that you may not know where to start, or maybe you feel uncomfortable praying, or maybe you don't know what to pray, or maybe you simply want to add something more to your current prayer life. This is why we wrote The Marriage Gift, 365 Prayers for Our Marriage. We desire that it would be used as a daily reminder and catalyst for you and your spouse to grow a dynamic and consistent prayer life together. This book is a compilation of 365 unique and powerful prayers that cover a range of diverse topics that every marriage deals with. You can read it alone, or ideally, you read it with your spouse. Also, we hope that the topics that are brought up in these prayers would become a starting point for deeper and more intimate conversations with your spouse and a desire to seek God on these matters together. Visit themarriagegift.com today and order your copy and give your marriage the greatest gift, powerful and meaningful prayer. Visit themarriagegift.com today.